0: 25% off your DNA test kit.
1: My mission on each appointment is to teach the patient how to use it safely, how to get the most benefit and pain, mm. what medicine gives you the best for your symptoms with the least amount of interference.
2: Mm.
3: This is the or roll yourself a joint, to sit back, and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber.
2: From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's The Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber.
0: Welcome back to The Cannamom Show. We are so grateful you're joining us again today as we continue in our mission of crushing that stigma around cannabis and caregivers. Happy New Year, Dave. Happy New Year to you. How was it? Uh, it was good. I stayed up till midnight. i did
2: it <laughs> Good. congratulations yeah. yeah at our age we gotta congratulate ourselves for that yeah the small i was thing. at I was at a small like a house party, and there was no ceremony at all of what? The... We were doing karaoke and I was the one who had to schlep all the i volunteered to schlep the equipment so that micro- of course i'm mr microphone yeah. yeah. Being the podcast guy, we people just kept singing karaoke, and someone was like, "Hey, three, two, one, happy New Year!" And then uh, kept they just kept saying. All right,
0: I, I thought it was weird,
2: but but whatever. I
0: don't know. I think that's fun karaoke to yeah. bring in the New Year. I love that idea. All right,
2: yes. All right, there was a uh, lot of bad singing.
0: A lot of Wait. singing. I think that's funny. All right, there's no singing. I did do a little dancing. I don't know. Nice. I like. I don't mind New Year. It's like a good reset. And I redid my office. And if, if anyone's actually watching me on YouTube, I switched it around my husband helped me clean my rug that is a good quality ladies a man who will clean your rug
2: for real yeah i Mm -hmm. like actual more than vacuuming like
0: like he actually purchased a a steam cleaner a while ago like years ago because we had an old dog and whatever their issues but now we have it and he yeah and my daughter when she was like nine or ten i let her get a white rug i know no one's seen it i don't know why i would let child get a white rug (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah might not have been the best choice for a color
0: i didn't even like smoke pot back then i have no excuse <laughs> except i was just really busy i think mm. she's like i want this i'm like yeah fine whatever so, so that's a good quality and then i just before i i, I do have a special segment guest, so i'm going to talk about it in a second but i don't know if you remember my friend from the ukraine tia moskolenko we interviewed mm. her in may of 2022 things are getting actually worse in ukraine i don't know mm. if anyone follows the news that well but She sent me a message. She's looking for work. She sent me her resume. She does social media. She speaks English perfectly. And she has been doing, she was doing some copywriting for Ask Growers site. But I don't know anyone listening. I reach out to me. She's looking for some help. I don't know if I can, but I said I'd give her a mention and let people know that she's looking for work.
2: That's very nice of you. That's a mitzvah. And I Um, I hope somebody chimes in.
0: Me too. All right. Another mitzvah. So I have my friend Lisa, who I can't believe hasn't been on here before. She's a nurse. In Connecticut, and she is going to be introducing her latest creation, Mindful Metrics, conscious cannabis consumption tracking journal. So she says, whether you're a seasoned cannabis user or just a beginner, with your exploration, Mindful Metrics is your key to understanding and optimizing the therapeutic potential of cannabis. It is designed to empower you to achieve the relief and results we all deserve. So she's going to talk to us a little bit about what it is, track, and we talk a little bit about this tracking strains, being conscious, and she's puts this together in a journal for us. Very cool. We'll be talking a little later in the show. And I do have a culture corner, just before we jump right in with our guest today.
2: All right, let's do it.
0: The culture corner. The culture corner. The culture corner. corner. Makes you laugh every time. I don't know why. (laughs) My life is small.
2: Feel feel cultured when you hear that music.
0: Like watching The Crown. So today's Culture Corner, I want to recommend like a mini-series. It's like a documentary series. I don't know what they call them. It's the Mm -hmm. Charles Stewart case. Remember from 1989, he murdered his pregnant wife here in Boston, set up a whole series of horrible, terrible, racist things in Boston, which, whatever. This is Mm -hmm. what the series is. It's sort of like going back in time and talking about the story, kind of the parallels of the story. And he like set us up, basically like set the Bostonians up to believe this really tragic thing that we did believe for a while and it wasn't true and it's i think it's three or four parts it's called murder in boston like do what do you remember about that 1989
2: yeah i remember it was a wild case um big news in boston he did he claim it was did he say two black guys
0: yeah basically he said two black guys in an adidas suit and the whole city went psychotic
2: yeah well (laughs) it it was a bad move It, it was disastrous on his part of course all around he ended up jumping off the Tobin Bridge, yep. jumping off the Tobin bridge but yeah it was interesting how there are two levels to it it was this this absurd abs- outrageous scam that he kills his wife and then shoots himself to to fake a robbery and then on top of that he has to bring race into it by saying it was two black guys and so but i started watching the doc and then i thought i kind of know this story already but it sounds like you're saying to me there's there's stuff in there that is I, I new or looking at it a different way or what?
0: We're Bostonians. We are yep. Jewish, but we do have white skin. So we know how the 70s were here in Massachusetts, especially here in Boston. I remember like what I lived in Milton on the edge of the red line district of Boston. Boston's got mm-hmm. a lot of racism going on. It was right after Boston. They kind of frame it like in the, like, the aftermath of busing and how sure. we have our own segregation up here because it's part of the American story, really. And if you don't face it, then you're not going to fix it. And that everybody, all the and they're mostly what men in power, white Irish, white men Irish world. This is where we live, and they were all in power politically. And they just couldn't see. This is about blind spots. They just couldn't see that someone who looked like them and talked like them and whatever would ever do something like this. You know what I mean? Because sure. Kevin White went after them, like. And there were some black black leaders in the the community who were like, "Step back." It's usually the guy who does it. Like if someone's getting, but no one was listening because they really they fell into this this weird narrative. So
2: yeah, yeah. That documentary series is on the streaming service Max. Yeah.
0: So I can never find anything. Anyway, so it is called Murder in Boston. I think it teaches you a little bit about Boston history, kind of like makes you reflect if you were alive at that time, what you thought, because I didn't see it coming. I remember working with Black women in Boston. I used to work in affordable housing. And one of the women I worked with, who, although most of them lived in Roxbury or Dorchester, and they were like, the husband did it, like right when it started. And I'm like, Mm. really? They're like, yeah.
2: (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Yeah. And kudos to them for sniffing that out because it was this mystery. And then yeah. later, Mark Wahlberg did a song called Walk on the Wild Side, which was on the subject of this Charles Stewart case.
0: Yeah. So I think we learned. I think we've learned. Boston's a different place now. All right. Beginning 2024, we are booked through most of. March, getting into April. If anyone's out there with an amazing story that I haven't heard yet, reach out to me. That's how we find our guests. And yeah, I'm looking forward to doing more of these in 2024. Oh, I did not talk about the hemp guitar. I have to give it a plug. Oh,
2: come on. All right. The the hemp the guitar.
0: guitar. It's in the newsletter. It's coming along. I'm putting stories about it. It will be done very soon. It's beautiful. It is made out of hemp wood. It has an inlay and in like an opalescency inlay of a cannabis leaf and He put a bowl in it so you can smoke out of it.
2: Music and weed right there, all at your fingertips. All at your fingertips.
0: So I am hoping to have it in my hands this spring. I'm hoping to connect with Nikan Mark. I say this every week. Are you listening? And tour it around. Maybe we can bring Josh Lampkin up here to play it. We just were at the Broccoli Gallery, which would be a beautiful place for an event like that. Don't you think, Dave?
2: Yes. Fantastic.
0: So, all right, we're going to show up the hemp guitar. Somehow we are going to get it out there and it's going to work on policy stuff so we can help more women who are using cannabis and crossing the stigma and doing all the work that we're doing. So thanks, Dave. And now we're going to move on to today's guest. All right, today. Today's guest is the chief medical officer of Duber Medical, which is a leader in medical marijuana doctor consultations with a mission to educate patients on the medical benefits of cannabis. Duber Medical is a physician and woman-owned practice that works with diverse populations of more than 10,000 patients across 11 states collecting real data of the clinical benefits of medical marijuana. Today's guest brings her more than 30 years of medical experience to the medical cannabis practice. She is board certified by the American Board of Neurological Surgeons, American Board of Independent Medical Examiners, and the National Board of Medical Examiners. Her career spans a myriad of specialties, including neurological surgery, trauma, complex orthopedic, spinal surgery, and emergency medicine, and she's been a longtime proponent of medical marijuana and was an early supporter of California's Prop 215, which first legalized medical marijuana treatment in patients in 1996, and it was during her time as a senior neurological surgery resident at the local trauma center. She believes that medical marijuana is a viable and beneficial treatment option for many patients who seek to improve their quality of life through cannabis. Please welcome to the Cannamom Show, Dr. Gabriel, Dr. Morris, thank you for joining us today. Can we start with your cannabis journey? Maybe like how? what was your relationship with cannabis before jumping into it this way? Uh, what, what, what did you believe it was? Like I always say, I thought it would kill brain cells. It was dangerous. And yeah, I was like concerned.
1: When I was a kid, I thought of it as a gateway drug. When I was in college, I was too poor. So I never really had much bias until I was a trauma surgery resident and then a neurosurgery resident. And I started a huge difference between what happens with alcohol ingestion and patients causing themselves harm and injury versus patients who were using marijuana exclusively and not coming through the trauma unit, not running wrecking their cars or getting assaulted. And so I I really became interested in how this haughty effect it had on patients. Then in my New York surgery, I saw and what, was you, what year was this? and what year was yes. this? What year was this?
0: What year were you working in this? What year was this when you um, started I, like seeing cannabis well, differently?
1: I would say it was probably 1990 to 92, first mm-hmm. in the trauma ER, okay. was having hot pills in California. And then in the 93 to 95 years, there was grumbling in California. There was a movement. But definitely by the 95-96 academic year when it was really publicized, that was an eye-opener to me. Because in the trauma unit, we did a toxicology screen and a BAL on every patient that came through. Hmm. So you really had a clear cross-section. And people who had positive marijuana only did not come in through the trauma
0: unit as victims of trauma or injury. All right. So and can that, you back up on that, the data thing? Can you actually... Actually, can you? So, is that yeah. something? Is that true across the country in every emergency room? They do a toxicology, so you could tell the difference?
1: No, 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 they do not. It was in that era because we were the first drama 911 center and it was part of our drama panel. So, it was not necessarily an organ- study it was my own observation because it was data was collected on 100% of the patient uniformly. but data but
0: that data exists I know just that the whole data like we don't have data we don't know what does is kind of makes me frustrated well, that's interesting all right so you could see you could actually see it before yes. your eyes and yes we yeah yeah, yeah. Your query. and and so what were your other what were your other like your other doctors your other the people you're working with what did they think of this did you bring it up to them was it an issue oh yeah no
1: great idea and i furthermore i thought that we should investigate how it could get positively benefit the violent gangs in southeast san diego Mm -hmm. i was really very intrigued people thought i was pretty radical at that time but it passed and then in that era the teaching was that pain was something was a signal that there was something wrong and it was our job as a surgeon to find the cause subsequent to that a few years later california passed the first law of Pain is the fifth vital sign, and we must treat pain with narcotics like water. And I was very vehemently opposed to that philosophically. And then we all know the opiate crisis ensued. Right. And I never thought the opiates did as well for controlling the symptoms, and they clearly took people down this negative pathway of higher and higher dosages of meds, and less and less benefit with
0: higher side effects. The, uh, Dr. Yet. Dr. Morris, I just have a question. So, all right. So I am, we're probably similar in ages, sort of, whatever. And I remember the opiates coming in and you're, as a physician, I can see where the physicians are now. So in the beginning, you were saying, this is wrong. The opiates aren't a good thing to be using. And, oh, that's really frustrating. <laughs> like, there are doctors who oh, no. know. Oh, it
1: was worse than that. No, we were demonized and that uh, we were inhumane and the patients still have rights and, Again, I'm a nerve surgeon, so I see a high proportion of patients with headaches and back pain, chronic back pain, and not not every opiates are not the answer, and long term opiates are not the answer and i never I never felt that was appropriate to just
0: put a band aid on it that's um, interesting All right, okay, so I, was, but can, I, I i i i I could talk about this all day, but I got to talk about cannabis all right, so tell me about <laughs> opiates. Uh, tell me about what you're doing now, how you came to this medical practice. How many medical professionals are there? What What does it really look like? Just tell me a little bit about what you're doing now.
1: Well, I am the leader of Giver Medical, which means I'm in charge of training the new physicians. And in some states, we actually have nurse practitioners that do this work and physician's assistant, But basically providers. And we are a group that does nothing but cannabis consultations for patients. Mm-hmm. So... We are in 11 states, which means we have to do this. It's
0: federally illegal,
1: but legal for the state. So in each state, we follow the state-specific processes. But the bottom line is we're doctors that care about patients. We know the cannabis works. We know there are a range of products and the range of safety. So my mission on each appointment is to teach the patient how to use it safely, how to get the most benefit, how to listen to your body and see mm. what medicine gives you the best for your symptoms, with the least amount of interference, side effects, and there are so many products. It's really exciting. And on the follow-up appointments to see how well patients are doing a year later, my happiest patients are off medications, whether they're opiates or even just ibuprofen, over-the-counter anti-inflammatories. Patients are thrilled to
0: get rid of pills, to get rid of their demons, be it alcohol, be it other drugs. It's amazing. I mean, it is amazing when you finally feel good. I think that's the thing that all I hear over and over and over again is this idea that you just kind of used to, you get used to feeling shitty. <laughs> and then they find cannabis and they're like, what? I don't have to feel that way all the time. And it's like a, they're evangelized. That's amazing. So do you call yourself an endocannabinoid doctor? How do you describe what you do?
1: I, I just call myself a cannabis expert.
0: Okay. All
1: right. And uh, I... Again, I pride myself on individualizing so much that every patient needs to know the entourage effect of the terpenes. I really like to, I enjoy teaching the beginners who haven't touched it, maybe through the seventies or yeah. who never touched yeah. it, and really showing them the range of key you can get pain relief without the bugs, and you can still function. Furthermore, you can have that euphoria and kick back after a hard day, if that's what's going to out your migraine and give you a good night's sleep, then I think it's far safer than a lot of the prescription meds out there.
0: That's, I mean, it's good. I mean, that is the big drawback is we don't have a lot of medical professionals who are working with patients. And I I talk, I tell my mother's story all the time. Like my mother just didn't believe me because her own doctor couldn't help her. And I'm not a medical professional and I literally have no idea how the human body works. So how am I supposed to describe this? And, if you only really have a bud tender talking about products, you're not talking about the other things. So why it's so important to have medical professionals, which we're talking to today, who are invested in this and can help us understand how it works. Yeah. All right. So Absolutely. so what kind of patients are you seeing? What's the range of people you're seeing?
1: Well, we only see adults because pediatrics is, even as teenagers, adolescent is a whole different ball of wax. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do, we have yeah. predominantly a telemedicine practice. We have a few exceptions. One of our states requires one in-person visit for first appointment. But in general, we do telemedicine, which we find helps a lot because people are very stressed. You spend your whole life thinking it's illegal, bad. You have to be ashamed and hide. And yet here I am. I want to hear all your true feelings, all your experiences, because if I'm going to guide you to make the best choices in that dispensary, I need to know as much as I can about you, both your personal cannabis experiences, but your medical history. And what worked for you and what didn't work? Hmm. So having that dialogue and having you at ease
0: on your your own living room couch, on telemedicine, on a video appointment, I think is very, very helpful. That's That's a great, that's a great, that is a great, that is a great approach. This idea that it's, I mean, we talk about this crushing the stigma. There's so much stigma. People don't even know where the stigma comes from. I have spoken with when you need to be nurses out here who do the medical card. From Massachusetts, how people will come and like wander around the parking lot because they're so nervous to come in. There's a lot of discomfort and people don't even know where the yeah. discomfort comes from. So that's a nice idea that you could do it by now that's been normalized to, uh, by teleconference. Yeah, tele with your doctor. Okay. So, uh, and uh,
1: God, sorry. No, 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 no. Keep going. Well, I just, I love the fact that we can talk about it and you. Pull out their history first in advance, much like when you go to any other doctor, all that dreaded charting you do and you answer a bunch of questions. But the reality is that helps me clear out what's pertinent because, the patients don't generally know what I'm going to be asking. So we need to do that little bit of homework in advance. But it's a very different approach I'm going to take for someone that has, for example, Crohn's disease as an isolated complaint, but has had a multiplicity of surgeries and needs their cannabis for that. Versus someone who uses it for fibromyalgia or glaucoma, so it really depends on on the individual. On so, the more knowledge I can have in advance, the better our conversation can be.
0: And are you able to communicate with other people's doctors and nurses who are working with them in more traditional settings? Is that a is that a thing? Is that a, how if, does that work?
1: If the patient requests that, we are more than happy to do that. What and- we found though is most of the doctors. Generally, you know, most of primary physicians don't do cannabis, and the same thing with the mental health providers and the uh, chronic pain management. But what we find is that if they're pro cannabis, if they encourage their patients to have it, they encourage their patients to see a cannabis
0: doctor as well. So if you're in both
1: supervised programs, you do better.
0: That's I, I think that's kind of hopeful. I, I think the cannabis I talk about it like it saves everything. I know it doesn't, but it's a tool in the toolbox, and now it's becoming more mainstream and doctors can talk about it and I have a friend who's having some treatments for cancer but she's not allowed or she hasn't even discussed trying to use cannabis and i because I don't know I just it it, just it it seems like it's a lot of options out there but no one in the medical community necessarily is talking about it unless you ask about it.
1: Well but, it's, it's a field of knowledge and I really don't think that the average good clinician has the time to learn it or the time to quite frankly, talk about it with patients. Think about yeah. how fast your regular appointment is with your regular doctor and how many medications you get renewed at that one super quick visit every show up.
0: Yeah. That's you know, and
1: I'm, I ain't got to spend the time to really teach you just about this it. one medicine, but it's got all these different flavors. And like you said, it's a great toolkit. I teach you to put your favorite tools in it and then you know when to use them.
0: That's a, that's a good way to think about healthcare for ourselves. All right. Can you... Maybe, can you just share a story of a patient who maybe even you were surprised how well cannabis helped them in their healing journey? Have there been patients who have come in? I'm sure it may not have worked for patients, it's worked better for just maybe some stories that of what I don't know what you've been seeing lately. Well, I will tell
1: you the twenties of overall happiness I kind of alluded to one, and that people love the fact that they can get better symptom control with cannabis products. And then get off traditional medications, whether it's prescription pills or over-the-counter mm-hmm. pills. I Had a patient the other day who was thrilled because he's had chronic back pain his entire adulthood. He's in construction, and this is the first time he went the whole year without needing any injection to in his back. And wow. normally he gets three a year, and that so that was really fun for him. Um,
0: That's a good day one.
1: A day, every day. Every day I hear great stories about people avoiding alcohol, prescription meds, or street meds, street pills, street narcotics, street drugs, or alcohol even. Just avoiding their demons by having better symptom control, by having a cannabis product that they use, and yet they're functioning. And then probably my favorite group I love seeing currently are my young women with PTSD. There's <laughs> kind of a trend. You, they come here, one. They may or may not have used cannabis, but they're obviously at the bottom of their or near the end of their rope, unhappy, needing a lot of help, willing to try something non And then when they come back for their first renewal, you see this light in their eyes and they're excited and they're animated and they're telling you how much better life is and how symptoms are better controlled and what they've learned about cannabis. And then year three, which is their second renewal, then it's always... Oh, hi, Jack, I just got a master's degree or I got a promotion or I got remarried. Oh, I'm so my kids and I have so much better relationships. And it's so fun because you, I can almost predict it when I review a chart with PTSD a couple of years in that they're going to come to that camera and they're just going to have spontaneous
0: great stories to tell me.
1: And the, the disease is no longer controlling
0: their lives. They're oh, my God. I get chill tri- I get chills from that. that- you know, I think it's. I was hearing something today about stress, like how stress require. You know, when you are very stressed, you hold on to negativity, and everyone knows that if you focus on yes. the negativity, you create. that, You basically manifest a negative world. So the idea that you could take stress and pain away from people that opens them up to not being focused just on the bad stuff that, that's like a miracle. You know,
1: yeah. it's it's amazing. Like I said, cause I, I I I get this whole grin, and maybe that's sick. But when I see a young woman coming back to renewal with PTSD, I. I know they're doing great and I know they're going to have good stuff to tell me and I know that they're proud of themselves. And earlier you you made a comment too that this population tells me frequently what they like and a lot of patients that they love about cannabis. I get the comment routinely, I can feel my feelings again. Rather than the psychotropic meds where you're kind of zombified, you really get to feel your ups and downs and cope with life. So I think it gives patients that control of is very good for mental health for all of them. Even if you're probably
0: a diagnosis is not psychiatric, good mental health, good physical health. Wow, I hadn't even thought about the whole feeling, emotion box. Yeah, all right. So let's move on to my very favorite topic, motherhood and cannabis. <laughs> oh. I know out here in Massachusetts, one thing we're talking about this year, fighting back on is doing the drug test on the baby's marconian and then including children's services when there isn't a fear of abuse, but just because they do it. And there's no reason because cannabis is legal and it shouldn't be tested and it shouldn't be, women shouldn't be afraid to use cannabis during their pregnancy because they can get involved with children's services. Uh, so where, where do you see, and, and again, I talk about motherhood. I did not use cannabis when my children were young. I probably should have. I would have liked them better. <laughs> Could have been more relaxed. I would have had some of that stress and I probably would have felt better, like understanding how stress works with like not feeling well. So yeah. Uh, what are you seeing? Where your your is? Are well, there mothers coming in? Yeah. Yeah.
1: The simple short answer is that your simple point that you made as a lawyer, I couldn't agree with more, and that is absolutely outrageous to be testing the asymptomatic babies and the asymptomatic mother. period, period, end of that discussion. That should not be happening, even in states where it's not legal. If there's another CTS, Child Protective Services issue, then that's a different ballgame. But like you said, the average Joe, that should not be. Now, this being stated, Motherhood versus pregnancy, I see those as two different answers for mm-hmm. cannabis, Because as he said, for motherhood, I definitely think it's the safest of your options as mother's little helper. I think it's the safest for young for moms to use something to treat their stress, to treat their symptoms, and to be a better mom. So I I encourage that. I think it also helps the anxiety, mm-hmm. and I think it helps turn cozy heart out. But I will tell you, during pregnancy itself and during sex feeding, I'm a neurosurgeon. Very simple. 35 years, I've just told all women no to all meds during pregnancy because it worries me. It's a common sense thing. And so I don't look at cannabis differently than I look at Tylenol. Any pregnant woman in my practice, I have always 100% referred to the obstetrician now. And that's like I said, even with vitamins and even though B6 is now the popular instead of different, I When it's a pregnant woman, I defer to the pregnancy expert. I am thrilled to report that over the years, there are definitely obstetricians who clearly encourage it, who would rather have their patients using cannabis than having the dehydration and electrolyte shifts of hyperemesis gravidarum. There are also obstetricians that encourage it along all the way through for their patients. And I have a few OBs that actually will do their own prescription recommendations for their patients during the pregnancy, and then they turn them back over to us. So while my personal between you and I, when you're pregnant or breastfeeding is going to be, I don't recommend it. If you feel struggling about it, I'll work with you and your doctor to help you figure out how to, how to minimize the risk, how to do it for you. After you deliver, then you're back in my comfort zone. But during that pregnancy, I always defer to the gynecology obstetrician specialist.
0: And that's, I mean, that's smart medical advice. And I, I've spoken with women with the hyper, you know, I can never pronounce it, hyper nemesis gravitatis. The, the, yeah. <laughs> You're close. Yeah, close too, enough. Much uh, yeah, too much vomiting. And I will say my friends who had that were in the hospital taking medications, getting hooked up to IVs. And these women have discovered that cannabis is helping them not be nauseous. So they're advocating for that instead of the other medication, So I've seen that story out there. And I mean, the one thing I do think of, like you were talking about data, they did the, the drug trial, or they checked people when they come in. And if they did that with women, if it was okay for women to consume in a legal state, if they had medical cards or whatever they want to verify it with, and then you would have data and you could follow those children too. So I don't know. No, no one's going to do uh, clinical trials in a pregnant woman, but if a woman is using cannabis, you should get the data from her and follow her kids, see how it's going. That's, that's what I think. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We've
1: learned tons from ret- retrospective observational studies over the years, decades, and centuries. It's one form. It's one form of data acquisition.
0: Yeah. So there you go. There's my my little plug. All right. Um, you know we're gonna come back. We're gonna talk a little bit more about motherhood and cannabis and all sorts of stuff with Dr. Gabriel Morris after we take a short break because we're gonna share you my Friend Lisa Capitani's newest Fred show, Mindful Cannabis Consumption Journal, and how she can help all of us make the most of this plan for our own health and wellness. So, Dr. Gabriel, we'll be back in about 10
3: minutes and welcome, Lisa. Hi, Joyce. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Finally, we
0: we have pandemic friends. We've gone way back. She's been in Boston. All right. So, just tell me what I know you were talking about Weed Week. I think that's now, which I'm going to miss, but Mindful Metrics, Conscious Cannabis Consumption, Tracking Journal. I think it probably ties in really well with what we've been talking about with the doctor today.
3: Yeah, this is a perfect segue. Really respect Dr. Morris and the work she's doing and agree so much with so many of the points that she's made already. So this was my proof copy of Mindful Metrics. I started the beginning of last year publishing Weed Week, which is a seven-day journaling challenge for the regular cannabis user who is interested in... Taking advantage of sort of the consciousness expanding potentials of this medicine and through people's experience getting to know me and the journal, I've had a lot of people ask whether I do a more traditional tracking journal for the medical cannabis user. So this year, this past year, my goal was to do that. And it was published on the 28th of December and went live Monday on Amazon. <clears throat> I'll have it available on my website very soon.
0: Link will be in the uh, no show notes, always in the show yep, notes. <laughs>
3: of course. It's a smaller um, book than Weed Week, so a little bit easier to carry around if you're not always using your medicine in the same place. And it does just have the standard tracking where you will record your product, the dose, the symptom score before and after, and some other details around the terpenes that are in it, the smell and taste of it, the effects you feel from it so that you can gather data. I really think it's important when we're working with a medicine like cannabis that is so individualized and so customizable that we record data. If we don't have data, we can't track, we don't know what to change. And in addition to that, there's a hundred pages to record those sessions for the user of the journal. And Every 10 pages, there's a blank page to record any reflections and observations you might have of the previous recordings, and there's uh, 10 different mindfulness activities interspersed throughout the book that pair well with cannabis use. And introduce folks to the idea that we can go a lot deeper than symptom control with That's cannabis.
0: Uh, so is this, this is a PDF or is this a book book? Like how do people purchase this? How does this, yeah, how do they get this? Mindful
3: Metrics a, is a physical paperback book mm-hmm. available on Amazon and I will have it shortly on my website. It is $14.20. And it's a good, and I've used, I did the week, we Weekly when that one, when you
0: first developed it. And yeah. it's again, I, I kind of had notebooks and I do think it's a little bit tricky especially we're going to come back with Dr. Morris but you no know, she's helping her patients find products but there's so many products out there and and I'm just talking about cannabis strains and just the idea that you can smoke it, drink it, eat it, rub it on yourself. I use patches now. I use patches on my back. There're just so many other ways to help yourself feel better and there's a lot of things you have to remember. And you can- <laughs> Yeah. So to be able to have yeah. a place I'll like a, a log instead of like in your phone or maybe something and, and then really like look back on it. Cause I, I, that's what I like about journaling. What do you think about? What do you think is the power of the journaling?
3: Well, like I said, you can't change what you don't track. Right. And journaling helps us to really be able to recognize patterns. Mm-hmm. And as humans, that's what we're designed for. We We recognize patterns. And when we can recognize those patterns in our own behavior, we can change them and i think that what cannabis does it it ties in really to the psychedelic qualities of cannabis right where under the influence of cannabis we can look at these maybe dysfunctional patterns of behavior without the same amount of judgment that we have for ourselves in our normal thinking mode and so weed week especially is designed for that it's designed for getting really intentional about your cannabis use and Delving into how you can use cannabis as a tool in your path to healing, whatever that means to you. One of the most exciting things I do with Weed Week is the week-long live challenge. I oh, yeah, do that. Talk about that before. Yeah, yeah. Word. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I'm going to be doing it again starting January 14th through January 20th. It's the last time I'm probably going to do it in this format at this price of $50. That includes a paperback and a PDF copy of Weed Week in case you don't get yours on time. And it's really centered around my process of healing, which is a four-step process of awareness, understanding, change, and healing. And and
0: you've done this before. So what kind of things are you finding people are coming to you for? And Oh, sure.
3: Folks who have completed the Weed Week Challenge have had a, a pretty wide variety of outcomes. I've had one user who decided she was on the wrong career path and made a change in her career. Another who decided she was ready for a change and moved, excuse me, moved to a different city. A lot of people find that it helps them introduce a new practice like yoga or meditation because they take the time to be intentional about it in the beginning and reflect on the positive outcomes of of using that practice. And it Just makes it a more seamless transition to introduce something new, and probably the most common outcome that I've seen is is people who recognize that they have some problem cannabis use happening, and are able to acknowledge that without without judgment.
0: That's an
3: interesting benefit that I wouldn't, because I have seen people talking about the
0: breaks and the different things and how to consume it more consciously and. But you can as a cannabis consumer, you can become very unconscious of it, just especially since it's very accessible now. That I guess that would be the flip side of how what's happening with legalization, Yeah.
3: Yeah, she's a tricky little thing where we we can forget the power that she has and sort of let it let it be an escape, let it kind of numb us out. And so that's why I introduced this idea of conscious use and intentional use and how important that is to maintaining a healthy relationship with the plant. And that's what really has borne out the experience of doing these Weed Week challenges, I've recognized the importance of having support for problem use, having support for intentional use, and and the the community around that. I think that is what they, like even like relationships, that's
0: like the whole point of it. Like without relationships, you can't be happy. And, And I think a lot of times what I've heard, I kind of like to the game, but a lot of times cannabis consumers felt isolated and specifically moms were very stigmatized. So you couldn't commune with it, which is Literally, the purpose of the plant is to help you have better relationships, so
1: yeah.
0: I love what you're doing um all right, so uh, give everyone a plug for your website where they can find your book and um this podcast should be out around the date, so hopefully you can get some uh-huh. people to sign up, so just give them a big plug Lisa sure, sure, you oh, are sure before I want you to do that just kind of tell your own story like what is your journey like a quick and you just your your nurse sure. but like how you got here quick. all of this
3: <laughs> all of this came about because of my own experience I a long time recreational cannabis user. And that's how I always looked at my use. I became a nurse in 2005. I worked in the emergency room. And in 2010, I was in an accident where I suffered traumatic brain injury, several fractures that left me with chronic pain, and I developed PTSD. And for a decade, I struggled in the healthcare system to recover and rehabilitate from those injuries But it wasn't until 2020 when my health started to really decline again under the stress of the pandemic that I took a look at cannabis in a different way. I I learned that there are cannabis nurses and that set me down a path of finding all that information, all that research and data that I was always told didn't exist, but it did. Mm -hmm. And it finally started to really heal. And that gave me something I felt I could keep being a nurse with a real tool I could use to actually help patients, which I wasn't feeling was the goal in in the healthcare system anymore. Having that system fail me as both a patient and an employee, mm-hmm. I, I was really forced to look at look at other options and and really reinvented my relationship with cannabis. And I found that as I used it to control the symptoms, the anxiety, the the stress from the PTSD, the pain, what that did was create space. Yeah. And in that space, I was able to see possibilities and see places I could make changes in my life and get to know myself in new ways that that were much more fulfilling than the, the sort of Walking around with blinders on that I had been doing for a decade before that,
0: and now you're you're like one of again all the ladies I talk to, they find this almost out of desperation, often as a last resort, and they are evangelized and they become the people they needed, which you have. So, give the plug for your website and um, how they can find people can find your book if they want to journey more consciously with their cannabis use, or actually are starting for the first time and just need some place to keep track of what they're doing.
3: Sure. So my website is lisa.capitani.com. You can email info at lisacapitani.com anytime. That goes right to me. On Instagram, I'm ct underscore cannabis nurse. And the Weed Week book and challenge are available on my website. If you sign up as soon as you hear this show, you'll likely get your book in time. If not, I can send the PDF. And if you use the code thecannamomshow, all lowercase one word, you get a 10% discount off that mindful metrics is currently available on amazon hopefully by the time the show airs i'll be i'll have it in my web store but if not it'll be available there very soon
0: all right all in the show notes because that is what we do thank you lisa for joining us today thanks for sharing this and people make all sort of resolutions of the new year so this is a good one to keep more conscious cannabis consumption and yeah find a way to heal because we all want to be healthy in 2024 all right we are back let's see we got a few more minutes dr gabriel morris we're back let's see uh, so when you went into cannabis, what did your family think? Well, they loved the fact
1: that I went to what we call happy medicine. Versus okay. the
0: high stress. The
1: so very, very happy to see the changes. And I've always been a teacher. And so now I'm getting to go to cannabis conferences as a speaker and travel for teaching cannabis instead of just neurosurgery. So it's really exciting pride that came this far this fast. And I voted for that first Prop 215 in California and here
0: we are already in 38 states. Pretty amazing. It's uh, come a long way. It's a tipping point. I kind of say it's like the Venn diagram of life. Everyone's got some pain and issues and it's not the devil's lettuce. Once people realize what it is, they evangelize for it. These, are, these stories, look at the small stories. Do you see this? It's like the people you're serving are helped. And even if people in their life think it's bad and dangerous, they see this loved one who's feeling better and they can open up their minds a little bit and be like, hmm, maybe. Have you seen that?
1: I love it. And I love when I have adults bring their adult parents or their adult children in later or a spouse that gets their card a week or two or a month or two after the spouse because they've seen the benefit. I love hearing the happy, happy ongoing stories, yes. And so, all, essentially, that's what all our renewal appointments are, people talking about how great, how positive the impact is on their life. It is very rare patients that they, they don't get adequate pain
0: relief or adequate help from it. So I know that. So are you still in California? Where are you now located?
1: Actually, we are based out of Ohio, but in the process of moving to
0: Tennessee. Oh, Tennessee. I sound in Tennessee. But all right,
1: California so- is what doesn't have cannabis. Again, well, because, te- you know, technically, technically,
0: Tennessee doesn't have cannabis. I've been down there a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's everywhere. Because
1: they do not have medical cannabis. Yeah. Laws
0: for us. Okay. Uh, but I was going to ask you so, how do you, like, again, this is a state by state issue. All the products are in state, no interstate commerce. So, how do you talk to patients about products? How do you find out what's out there? Do you sort of give Specific? are you more generalized? How do you talk to people about what they should be using?
1: Well again, I try to individualize between first of all the background level and experience and exposure to marijuana. There's a whole range of experience out there. I'm not gonna talk to the novice about the terpenes and I'm not gonna talk to the expert about the Speed dump versus indica on the couch. You got I gotta I gotta individualize it. But in general, I am not brand loyal or I am I like to teach the patients, the concept so they not learn how... I tell them they got to learn how to read that label and choose what's best for them.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Build,
1: yeah. build your own toolkit. So I like to take the approach that, you know, life is different on different days. You've got to figure out whether the person and cons be. I think my happiest patients combine what I call the rapid onset of action agent or anything in jail. Anything in jail is going to kick in fast, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to wear off fast. So... Most might have patients like something in the inherent category and something in the long-acting category like the edibles and the tincture. And once I get to where they are in their lifestyle, Ding, you're right, I got to individualize that Pennsylvania doesn't really have edibles. They got capsules. Ohio will let you dry your vape and they'll sell you the flour, but they don't want you to smoke it.
0: So there are different nuances depending on where I'm speaking to the patient. And do you do, do you do do, 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 do you do dosage? Like I know like medical, so edibles in Massachusetts, if they're adult use, they're five milligrams, but if you get it from your medical side, they can be higher. So do you talk to people about, I know it's always low and slow, but do you start at any dosage expectations? I
1: always, my favorite is I like the math is easy at 10 milligrams. I tell people buy 10 milligram edibles and if they're micro dosing, I have them, cut them in quarters for daytime use, half for nighttime use. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, I do. And again, it depends on depends on what your medical. It's very different what you're trying to treat. Why are you not sleeping? Because you have nightmares from PTSD versus you've got restless legs that just won't stop jumping. Those may require two different cannabis products. Also, if someone's an asthmatic or someone who just recently quit smoking cigarettes, they're not going to want anything inhaled. So I really I try I try to keep categories so they have the tools to figure it out. No, you that's smart. That's a smart way
0: of. Time. Yeah. I get It's like there's a lot of products out there. There's a lot of ways to ingest it, consume it. There's beverages, ice cream, capsules, pills, smoking it, vaping it, eat it. You can make your own edibles. They're just there. I have a patch. I've been using a CBD patch on my back, which actually is really good. There's a lot of other, I guess, it's just like any other medical issue. And you, and I talk about cannabis, everything in cannabis is like the real world, but upside down. And you need a specialist because it's everything specialized. And this is a specialized medical facility that is working with patients, and they have a lot. You have a lot of knowledge about what all these different products are and can really talk to patients um, intelligently. And then giving us some ownership. I think that's the best. That's like good parenting.
1: Yes. and I think that's important. We also have some kind of educational ideas on our website. They're more current, current events, current friends in cannabis. But then on our YouTube channel, we have the basic, basic beginner series for, for essentially the adult. In college, well, maybe not, and I haven't touched it in a year. Maybe they've called it the devil's wedding, but now they're really ready to buy. So, yeah, but well, but videos for just beginners. So, that's so that other thing I try to peer patients. If you're a beginner, you want to go to our YouTube channel. If you're what you consider an advanced, if you've never had access to the guest, you just want to look more at the videos and the articles on our blog or on our general website.
0: So, it
1: does matter what your exposure to cannabis is.
0: Oh, absolutely. So again, Nashville, I think is an interesting or Tennessee is an interesting example. I, my son's down in Nashville and there, they sell cannabis everywhere. It's bizarre, but there's no medical or adult use program. So you got to know what's going on in your state. This is really very true.
1: Yeah, that's all C B D in Tennessee. And which I don't understand how I can label it that but it's all C B D product.
0: I don't I don't think it is. I I bought flour that they say it's T H C A, which is basically the un non decarboxylated cannabis, and that's the law. And I'm like, that doesn't even make any sense. Well, I'll tell you, I will still be researching Tennessee in more detail. So. <laughs> so I I will I will learn it. It's gonna be whatever, it's gonna it, it it should just be an option medically Across the board with everyone. So that's my theory. All right. So, what do you, we're all 2024 in the medical world. I know you're doing more conferences, you're out there speaking, you're talking to people. What do you see any breakthroughs at this coming up in this year that maybe we're not already aware of?
1: Oh, I am, I am hoping to bigger and better and broader acceptance mainstream. We're still fighting a lot of stigma. But one of my personal goals would be to get stigma, you'll <laughs> it, get the stigma of the medical professionals. Right now, the psychiatrists and the pain management doctors support cannabis use. The gastrointestinal doctors are supporting it. But we need more mainstream doctors saying, hey, to their patients, I might not know enough about cannabis, but I know it helps some people. Why don't you go talk to a cannabis doc? I would like to see that. I'd like to see more conversations around the dinner table. Grandma, it's not going to get you all snobbick, but it is going to help your knee a lot. Mm
0: hmm what do you think? So again, I, I mean, the medical profession. What do you think is holding it back? Are they not talking about the endocannabinoid system in medical school? Like, this is a medical. This, this is a system in our bodies. They teach you about everything else. Why wouldn't they talk about this and how this medication works with it? Do you see that?
1: It is mentioned in passing because it,
0: it's mentioned in
1: passing. It's not a prescription that is common. It's that whole federal versus state and most. Med- Here's the other piece. Should be a physician to practice medicine, you have to have malpractice insurance. And most of the large groups in medicine just simply won't, and you have to do extra certification and training, will not pay for their doctors to have the certification and training. And the majority of the the malpractice insurance carriers will not cover you. So you have to actually have a second job, second employer, second policy to be able to do it. So that's a huge problem. It's, oh, it's, a huge. it's not getting to the level of the physicians. You've got Cleveland Clinic Foundation every 600 doctors. Aren't even allowed to learn about it or talk about it because the bean counters don't want to pay for it.
0: Oh, so much work to do. All right, Dr. Morris, let's see. Duber Medical, if you're a listener out there, they want to connect with you, someone out there is like their grandmother needs help, what's the best way to connect with them and connect with you? Well, the easy
1: way is their website. It's ubermedical.com,
0: d u b e r, medical, com. We
1: also work seven days a week. We have extended hours, which us eight to eight in all of our time. We're in 11 states. For grandma who doesn't want to do the computer, just pick up the phone, call the cell-free number. Our nice people talk her through everything. For your nephew who can wire the computer himself, he can log on and take care of it in moments. Any of you listening can use DuverMed, all caps, C-U-V-E-R-M-E-T, for $15 off for a new patient appointment or, or a retired patient appointment. If you have a the card from another provider, we're happy to help you. The videos we mentioned, that's all free. You can get our website. You can look at the educational. You can follow the link from our website straight to our YouTube channel. If Grandma's not sure thinks this might not be for her, let
0: her watch a couple videos
1: think about it. That's all free. But we're happy happy to be here seven days a week for our patients.
0: This is how we're going to change it. These nurses and doctors and people who are talking about this in a normalized way and changing the culture. So thank you so much, Dr. Morris, for joining us today. And Lisa, thanks for joining us too. I love having these medical discussions. Again, cannabis touches everything from criminal justice (laughs) to cosmetics. So here we are talking about on the medical level. And please reach out to these amazing guests if you have any questions. Because again, I know nothing about the human body. So- it's another show <laughs> for my guests dr morris Thanks and lisa capitani and my counter kind of david jazz and of course our canon show team i want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the canon show where we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving the stories of love kindness wisdom and hope thank you for following and sharing these amazing stories so together we will crush that stigma around cannabis and caregivers I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Cannamom Show, and we're a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network.
1: Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other
2: shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.